You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs in the year without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 58. This week, we discuss the best songs of 1999. Looking back at 1999, new software called Napster was released. A new currency was started called the Euro, and the world went crazy preparing for Y2K, a tech apocalypse that was feared that every computer would think the date was 1900 instead of 2000. Top movies included The Phantom Menace, The Matrix, Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, and Toy Story 2. Top TV shows premiering included The Sopranos, The West Wing, Good Eats, and The Family Guy. Now it's time to take your red pill and join your hosts, Rob Heitman, and hey now, he's an all-star, co-host Jeff Stewart. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen, our top 12 songs from 1999, while discussing that year's music and pounding back a few drinks in this case. I'm Rob. And I'm Jeff. Jeff, man, welcome again. Thank you, Rob, once again for the fantastic introduction. Yeah. <laughs> you are an all-star, yes, my friend. I, I keep telling everybody, but no one listens. <laughs> We'd like to thank everyone who's been active on Facebook. While we can't give a shout out to everyone, I'd like to call out a few each week. Michael Smith, John Carone, and Alex Hennon, thank you for getting in on the chat. Truly appreciate it. Now, Jeff, what stands out for you in 1999? Any of those movies or events or anything else? I can't believe, well, first of all, the Euro was, I didn't realize that it had happened in 99. And then when you realize, it's like, wow, that was a long time ago, but it doesn't seem that long ago. But those movies are so different, sure. right? It was like, okay, so Phantom Menace, everybody has their opinion on that. And then The Sixth Sense, it's like, wow, that was... That was the same year. It never that didn't. And the Matrix too. So that's, yes, it's, it's like it's yeah, it's a, a really good science fiction movie and not so great science fiction movie. And then this weird one that you know, yeah, no one realized till the end. At least I didn't. I see dead people. And for me, I mean, I'm from Jersey, so The Sopranos was a really big thing. <laughs> exactly, it's like a documentary to you, wasn't it? It was. It was like every time I watch an episode, no lie, I'm like, <laughs> I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. I do that with my daughter. Remember watching TV shows and go, that's that's not Wyoming, that's Burbank. I can take you right there right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in and all of that, and I remember dealing with the whole Y2K issue and scrambling and thinking the whole world was going to end. That the company I was working for at the time, we had a guy in one of the other branches that literally moved his family to Montana and you know dug a bunker and hunkered down. He made it though, so you can't, <laughs> can't really judge. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So we were. He thought we weren't going to be on equal footing, and he actually made it through, and for some reason, we did too. So, it's planes didn't fall out of the sky like we thought was going to happen. ATMs didn't start kicking out money. Every, ATM kids were, by the way, the way we used to get cash back in the day. Yeah, ATM are what we call cash machines in some areas, and <laughs> it's where you put your bank card in and you get cash out, and cash is the stuff that used to go in your wallet. <laughs> cash is paper. Yeah, it's um, paper yeah. that we used to pass around. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's just crazy stuff. All right. Uh, <laughs> what's, we're drinking today. Yeah. Uh, we thought of a 90s drink. I want it to be kind of simple. You hit that on the head. And we went with Jack and Coke. There you go. And Jack is Jack Daniels, obviously. Mm. Uh, but I remember, and this mm. is why it jumped out at me. I had started drinking Jack Daniels when I went to Wake Forest. And one of the guys there, let's just call him Alan because that's what his name was. He was working for a company called Brown Foreman. And he actually had a job going to bars and selling people on Jack Daniels and 
old granddad. Brown Foreman owns Jack Daniels. It's one of them. The, well, uh, the reason I looked at you that way, which you can't see on the podcast, someone actually had to sell Jack Daniels. It's probably the easiest thing in the world to sell. Well, it's interesting. It's just going to the bar and trying to say, hey, before you have that beer, have, have this Jack Daniels on the rock. Interesting. Have yeah. this. And they sit there and his job is to go to concerts and go to all, every event that that there was sounds like a great job to me <laughs> yeah. how do you where do you sign up for this does yeah. he pay them i'm just trying to understand how it all works <laughs> <laughs> right around 99 i started drinking jack and coke quite a bit they went from my beers my normal beer right over to jack and coke before we begin we'll be critically reviewing the songs we will share under 20 seconds of each tune unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight then we may do a second clip we have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the artists we discuss. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We decided to link a song with the year the album was released. There's so many ways to do this, right? Because songs could end up in multiple years on the charts, we felt that the year the album came out was the best way to avoid duplication over the podcast. The way this works is Jeff and I combined our individual top 12 lists with a lightly weighted media list. They combined about six media lists from sites like Rolling Stone and Spin to create our official Dirty Dozen for 1999. We'll count then that list in 12 to 1, nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, We'll each talk about a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. So, Jeff, what's your song of note, my friend? Super easy. It's Livin' La Vida Loca. Oh, my gosh. That's your favorite song. It's my I'm favorite so song. I'm so excited. No, it's <laughs> so my, excited for you. It's my song of note. Only re- <laughs> And here's why. Looking okay. it up, looking at all the songs from the year, going through everything. I'm like, well, this isn't going to make my top 10 just because I can't put that in my top 12. But... It's such an iconic song for for that year, for the 90s, for everything it ushered in after that. It's still played today. It's just kind of everywhere in the zeitgeist. So it's like, okay, I'm going to throw this in just because of its cultural impact that it had and still has. That was the reason I threw it in. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine how many women he got because of this. <laughs> oh, Rob, please. <laughs> Well, how many women at least thought about it anyway? He, oh, yeah. I don't think it was on his mind. It, no, it was not. If we were able to, because my musical taste is so narrow, I have to admit that, you know, there was a few albums that I would have picked another song off of or a live version of such and such, but I would have been duplicating artists that we're trying not to do. You're trying to keep it very broad, right? Yep. And so it's like, okay, I've got to think outside of what I normally wouldn't do. and And that fell into place. All right, so let's listen to Jeff's A Song of Note by the great Ricky Martin, his first the of Ricky many Martin. hits, Living La Vida Loca, off of his debut album. Let's take a listen. Uh, you cannot 
help but sing. Just for the record, along, for uh, all the listeners, it, you were the one singing along I to was, this song. I could not not do it. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like you listen to songs, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not even going to listen to Ricky Martin. I, that drives me crazy. I will go nuts. But then you're just sitting there and you next thing you know, Honestly, you're just like, that's why along. it went up. Oh, that's why it was my song. And it's like, how it can't leave this out because it's such a catchy, stinking tune. No, I totally with you. And the thing that I didn't realize, mm-hmm. just listening to it, just there, I only have 20 seconds to play it. So you're not going to hear this part, but they have a really cool guitar part. Yes, it's that little in the background and, and the, the kind of Latin picking that he's, it's just not, really cool. Not even Latin picking. They do like this deep, like, like yeah. almost like a country sort of. It's got a twang to uh, twang, it. Twang, yeah. Yes. Or surf, you know, like a Beach Boys mm. sort of thing. Exactly. It does have a surf thing to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. And the people who were playing for Ricky Martin in the band were pretty good. Yeah, my song is not mm-hmm. what you did. It's different. It's a song that I loved, but I knew that although I love this song, mm-hmm. it couldn't make the top 12 in a fair sort of way. Why not? Because I'm a Sammy Hagar fan. Ah, uh, yeah. And the name of the song is Mas Tequila, mm-hmm. and that's my song of note. And, and, it's a, and your motto, I think. You're, you're <laughs> not tequila. If it was Moss Whiskey, I would be there. <laughs> Feels like, you know, a, a stadium sing-along, which is really what it is. Right. One shot, two shots, Yoriba, Moss Tequila, Adana, and the guitar tone I love. Sammy's voice is still amazing. Such texture, and it, it just sounds like Sammy. Did Sammy play guitar in this? Uh, he did, but also he had his longtime guitarist, Victor Johnson, who still plays in his circle band mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and played in all those other bands. For a while, is the lead player in this. I always liked Sammy's guitar. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, the the rhythm guitar is great, and the lead playing by uh, Victor is great mm-hmm. in this. I love the chorus. It's just a sing along goodness. It's not the best tunes of '99, but I love it. And it's all talking about vitamin T. And you know, Sammy Hagar had from Cabo Wabo branded tequila. He ended up selling to Campari in two tranches. His first time he sold it for a portion of his holdings in Cabo Wabo for $80 million. And then he sold $11 million to buy the rest of it at a certain point. So he doesn't own it at all anymore. But he sold it pretty much for $91 million to Campari. God bless America. Of course. And Sammy Hagar, I think, sold his soul to the devil at some point. Because I look at Sammy Hagar, and he's in his mid-70s. And he looks like he's 50. He, he does not look old at all. Well, And he sings like he's 28 still. Yeah, and he can hit all the notes. And yeah. I don't want to go completely on the Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Is this a Sammy Hagar podcast? Uh, it should be. In Montrose, what was he, like 16? I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. All right, so let's listen to my song of note, Mastiquila by Sammy Hagar off the Red Voodoo album. Really fun song. Enjoy it. Pull out your favorite beverage if you want to have a Jack and Coke and join us. Or if you have don't have Jack and Coke and you have tequila... That sounds like a good idea, and I think Sammy would be happy with you. All right, so let's listen to my song of note, Masticula. Okay, that was Masticula. Tone Loke reference in there. Oh, I know. Tone look. <laughs> all the goodness in that song. That's all it needed. Yeah, of course. All right. So let's jump into the Dirty Dozen. Let's go. I'm surprised. I'd love to hear what it is. All right. So the first song, uh, number 12, mm-hmm. is a song that I only had on my list. Okay. The media didn't have it. You wow. didn't have it. 
and it was the number six song on my list. So okay. it, it barely made it squeaked in at the bottom. Yeah. And it comes, let me step back. I'm a Jersey boy mm-hmm. and I lived outside of Wayne, New Jersey for a while. And there's a band called Fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they had a song, Red Dragon Tattoo, which was actually got pretty big when the Stephen King miniseries uh, Kingdom Hospital came out. They used it all over that. Wow. I just lived in that area. And I remember the shop that the band was named after. It's called Fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. And inside they sell like statues, marble statues, stuff for your garden, especially mm-hmm. it's a highly Italian area. So it's all of the Mother Mary statues. And yes. All of the fountains. And that's where they got their name from. And, and every time I went by Fountains of Wayne, I'm like, I know that band. There's a band, Fountains of Wayne, <laughs> named after that. How cool is that? It's pretty much a tune about a guy. And everybody, I think everybody, mm. can relate to it. I certainly could. It's about a dude who wants to impress a girl by getting a tattoo. The quote, so he can look a little more like that guy from Corn. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's kind of a Beach Boys sort of verse and delivery. Mm. You know, he's drinking down some Basil Hayden. It's a fun vibe. It's definitely the pop rock space. Right. And he has some of the lines in there. I f- I'm fit to be died. Am I fit to have you? You can tell the guy's a bit of a geek. He's bringing back teen and a picture of Easy Rider to the tattoo parlor for like inspiration. Uh, back teen so he doesn't get infected. <laughs> the synth solo is great, actually. And there's a nice slide fill, believe it or not. If you haven't heard it, check it out. You're going to hear a little snippet up here. Take the time. Listen to this. It's a lot of fun. Red Dragon Tattoo, the number 12 song of 1999. Let's listen. Red Dragon And of course, everybody knows Fountains of Wayne from Stacy's Mom. Yes. Which was the big hit exactly. later on. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's our number 12, Red Dragon Tattoo. The Beautiful. Moving on to number 11. This yeah. is a song that's on Jeff's list that, wow. that was on my list, but just flipped off at the last minute. There's a lot of good reason to have it on I'm there. I'm intrigued. This was Jeff's number five song. Mm. This is off of the album, The Battle of Los Angeles. The band is Rage Against the Machine, and the song is Guerrilla Radio, which is our number 11 song of 1999. I liked it. So I became a Rage fan after Audio Slave, right? Not a rap fan in the sense, but anything with distorted guitars I'll like. Sure. And so after or during Audio Slave, I'm like, hey, let me go back and listen. So just started going back. I'm like, oh, these are pretty catchy songs there's never a bridge it's a little bit different this album was i think it was their last um before they broke up um but i just like the song i love the hook i love the riff it's a catchy song i think right when i looked down on it my yeah i put it on initially because it was a rage song mm-hmm. but once i stepped and looked back i, I like bulls on Pro- i have a lot of other ones that bomb track and a whole bunch of other songs that agreed I, that i love better than this song agreed. i like this and i was like it's good and it just kept pushing around and red dragon tattoo popped it right out now in all fairness we're trying to have a mixture of genres yes. in this right so it's not just going to be for everybody who likes metal music because i could do a whole metal list and this obviously yeah, right yeah but 
I want it to be pop rock, which is why I had Red Dragon Tattoo in there. I wanted mm-hmm. some other stuff in there. I live in La Vida Loca. Live in La Vida Loca, <laughs> right. That's why we're doing this kind of spread. Right. And let everybody who loved music in the 90s kind of enjoy this. Yeah. A song from this album had to go in for me, and this was the song. Okay. As a guitar player, I love the sound of it. Tom Morello is a fantastic guitar player, He's and an I okay, truly like him. So Tom's an okay guitar player. He found a space. and he, he, he created a niche for himself that no one else was doing. So from an innovative standpoint, I agree, he is definitely up there from an innovative. No one was doing that before he did it, right? They thought he was scratching and the whole thing, but he was doing all those effects on his guitar. I love whenever you can hear a guitar player and you know it's them immediately. And, oh my gosh, and, he stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Whether you like it or not, you know it's him Yeah, I mean, he's not going to play Yngwie Malmsteen, or he's not going to play Eddie Van Halen, but he's going to do his thing, and you can tell it's him doing his thing, and I You know, he was that. a metal guy in Hollywood. That's how he started out. Was he? Yep. He, came, he moved from back east to the Sunset Strip, and was a metal guy, right? Shredding, trying to do the whole thing, right? But he wasn't catching on, and he got this idea, let me start my own thing, did a kind of a rap rock thing. Obviously, took off. That was going around, but yeah. Yep. So, all right, let's listen to the number 11 song of all time, Gorilla Radio, by Rage Against the Machine. Let's listen. Yeah, that's number 11, Gorilla Radio, off the Battle of Los Angeles by Rage Against the Machine. It's such a moving song. They got great riffs. It's not that sophisticated songs, but man, they're hooky. Absolutely. All right. Moving over to number 10, mm-hmm. sticking to the rock rap sort of thing. It was only on my list again. Mm-hmm. This was my number five. I have an idea who it is. And if I was thinking rock rap and I was thinking 1999. The answer is. Limp Biscuit. There you go. Off of A Significant Other. It was such a big song I couldn't ignore it. It's called Nookie and I love the song anyway. The whole thing I didn't really realize. The song's about an old girlfriend of Fred Durst mm-hmm. who betrayed him. When he was starting his career in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. he was sending money home to his girlfriend to pay the bills, but she started using the money to treat another man to drugs and hotel rooms. <laughs> that old cliche. Yeah. And Durst explains that he knew what was going on, but stayed with her for the sex. And that was, <laughs> it's all about the nook. He's like, everybody's laughing at me. Everybody's doing this. If you listen to the lyrics. Yeah. He was whipped. He was like, yeah, you know, I don't care. I'm just I just want some yeah and that's what he was going for and he didn't care if she was cheating on him or whatever he wasn't looking for love at that point I don't think the, shocking <laughs> he's a rock guy I'm sure he's getting every shocking. night too the bass is great and then the beat and the guitars come in hard until the verse starts it's just that staple of rock rap trend that was going on the verse is pretty much a rap right but yeah I really like the beat and the delivery and the chorus is so catchy and heavy to balance that track like a chump, hey, like a chump, hey, because that, he uh, was talking, first he, he was out, feeling like a chump. Yes, I think when this first came out, people really liked it, and then they realized, uh, they got to know Fred Durst a little bit, and they learned <laughs> to hate it. <laughs> no, I, I totally get that. But you can't, again, let's not hold it against the song. Absolutely. Right? The interesting thing, and this is <laughs> there's a couple of interesting things, you know why the, the song was actually called Nookie? Why? Uh, Wes Borland actually wrote the song, and- the beat was sampled off an Italian porn movie. 
Of course it was. <laughs> and he brought it in, handed him to Fred and goes, that's the beat from a porn movie. We should call his song Nookie. And Fred loved that idea. And he wrote words to that effect, which is great. But this is other thing. When Napster was started, this is a, we talked about Napster starting earlier. Yes, on. we did. There was an anonymous person. And whoever really did this shouldn't be anonymous because they would be making a ton of money, which you can find on YouTube, which I will link to this podcast. There is a version with Cookie Monster who does it all for the cookie. I did all for the cookie. Come on, the cookie. Why not? <laughs> it was it was actually quite funny. And the only other thing I, I think you guys need to check out is the Fred Durst commercial for CarMax. Did you see that? Ever see that? Good Lord. Re- refresh all of our memories, Rob, okay. please. This is recent, right? This, okay. is, this is like within the last 10 years. The whole idea was Car- CarMax will take back any car. And this woman had Nookie stuck on her tape player in her car, and it would not shut off. <laughs> and the only thing she could hear was that one song forever. And there was no volume, so she's like dropping her kids off, and it's blasting. And it's <laughs> they just sell the car for a dollar <laughs> and, and everything. And it's like, no, we sold it to them. But then she hits the brakes, and she's blasting Nookie right. And, and Fred Durst walks across the street. <laughs> Fantastic. And looks at her because she's playing his song. It was just kind of funny. Anyway, those two things I will link to in the song notes. So let's listen to the number 10 song. Fired up, Rob. Of 1999. I did it all. For the cookie. <laughs> Not for the nucky. Okay, let's take a listen. Okay, here's the original song from Napster. What the heck? Here we go. Oh, oh. I came into this world as a muppet. Look into these eyes. You see that they are googly. Big bird in his nest and Oscar in his can. Ernie is a guy that lives with another man. Hey, comments on the scene. You know it ain't easy being green. But I did it all for the cookie. Mm, the cookie. Mm, the cookie. Mm. Anyway. Is that uh, the originator of the Cookie Monster vocals? It's not actually Cookie Monster doing it, obviously. That's some What? Dude, I know. It's it's a bad impression, and and, and that's me saying that, uh, of Cookie Monster. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, uh, Nookie, great. It's Limp Bizkit always gets that bad rap, but... But do there, they deserve it? There are some bands that... Uh, people still love Limp Bizkit. So, yes. At the end of the day, and this song I've always liked, so there you go. Yeah, I'll but take the that. people that really like Limbiscuit, we we can't be friends with them, Rob. Right? Uh, in all fairness, I've come to the realization, and this is me and my soapbox, that every band, no matter how much I may not fall in line with their general audience, the fact that any band can go out there and make a fan base and create music from nothing. And have people like it, whether or not everybody likes it, which is not the case with Limp Bizkit, obviously, but uh, good for them. Goodness, Rob, there are bands that I love that people are like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't give that band two thoughts, and I live and die and breathe them. So, yes, I completely know what you say. That's the number 10 song overall by The Dirty Dozen, and let's jump 
into number nine. I now, would love to hear what it is, Rob. You would, and I you, would, and you would because it's not on my list. No, uh, but it's on two lists. You're, you talk the media. If this was the media's number twelve. Now, what do you when you say the media? Explain to me and the listeners what does media mean? The media is a. I took mm-hmm. six different lists that were wow. around. Great for ninety nine, but I also put it under our filter. Yep. Meaning, if they put a song that was just popular that year, I skipped it. Okay. Which was, you know, something that had been out like since 97, for example. Like Shania Twain, which Sh- I would have loved to put on there, right? But it right. was three years earlier and she was releasing albums for the next four right. years, right? But there was a bunch of different, uh, I, I can look at it, but there's Spin Magazine, there's mm-hmm. a Rolling Stone, there's um, Billboard had yep. uh, some of their editors do a best of 99 list. There's so this a whole is bunch very comprehensive. Yeah. yeah. So I pulled them together into one list and I gave them maybe a third of a vote. Not that it matters too much for everybody. Right. Nobody wants that granularity. But this is to stop it going, uh, you're number one, my number one, you're number two, my number two, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And all tied all the way through. Anyway, this is the number nine. This was on the media's number 12. And this is your number six. This is off of Ooh. Anima of the State. Hey. Great song, actually. Yeah. By Blink-182. The name of the song is What's My Age Again. Mm-hmm. You can lead it off. It's your song, man. Thinking of the year and what was popular and what this really meant, this was the first single off of this album, which is Anima of the State. I like this song most on this album. And, and for this year, honestly, this was an important album. Right? Absolutely. No, no doubt. It was huge. It was, in a sense... Groundbreaking in some ways. Um, it was different in some ways, and it it kicked off quite a bit, right? A lot of bands ended up having that Blink One Eighty Two sound, although there was a couple bands during that year that had that sound. But Blink Blink One Eighty Two was the one that jumped to the top yes. of everybody's mind. There was a few bands that came out that year that, like you said, had that sound, but. I think this sound spawned a lot more. Yeah. Yes, created copycats or spawned more bands from this. And it's interesting. This uh, the original title for this song was Peter Pan Complex. Interest, which makes sense, right? Yeah. It could have easily been that, but this is probably a catchier title for the record company. Yeah, right? MCA changed it during production because they you thought go. the audience would understand it. There you go. This but, was inspired by Blink 182's bass player Mike Hoppus, mm-hmm. who was often told, usually by women, that he was immature. Also, he took the intro from Green Day's song, J-A-R, and he was practicing playing that song, but he kept messing it up, and then the mess up became the basis for the start of this track. Yeah, And you can see some Green Day influence in them, right? But it was that whole punk pop Mm -hmm. genre. It kind of feeds off itself, right? And this was an MTV song, too, because Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, this has them running around a town naked, pretty much, and freaking everybody out. Mark Hoppus said about the video, because they're mm-hmm. running around naked, Yep. he goes, the scene with the butt shots when we were <laughs> running down the street was the only actual right. nude scene in the video. We wore uh, skin-colored Speedos for most of the scenes when we were running, because I realized how unattractive male genitalia <laughs> is, everything just dangling and such. Uh, and I didn't think I can be embarrassed easily, but I really was running around naked for a while, so uh, we put that on and it was much easier. All right, so let's listen to the number nine song overall. What's my age again? By Blink 182. It's kind of funny. I can't remember a time where. 
I wouldn't have known what call ID was, but there was a time <laughs> where that was new. It was a thing. Like it was a, it was a big part of our lives at some point. It's when lyrics got really wordy and really creative, right? Almost like a country song to some degree. I mean, there's a story behind it. Yes. Like it talks about yes. him taking this girl home and then making out and she pulls down his pants and he turns the TV on <laughs> and she gets upset. <laughs> and then on the way home, he calls that girl's mom from the thing and says, you know, um, I was the cops. Her husband's in jail. The state looks down on sodomy. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and yes. And she hung up on me and all that stuff. It's, it's just fun. Yeah. But What's My Age Again, a good tune, number nine. Yeah. I th- uh, for the year, I thought it fit in well. It did. And now we're going to jump to number eight. Only one of us had it on their list. And who is it, The Rob? media did not. You did. You did. And wow. I, did, I did not. This is off of the album Make Yourself by a band called Incubus. This is your number three song overall. It's a song called Pardon Me. So lead us off, my friend. You know, I wasn't an Incubus fan till probably three or four years after this. I like distorted guitars, not a big fan of scratching, and I love the vocals. He is one of the few guys that actually at that time used vibrato in his vocals. This is when Pro Tools started coming in, and it's easier on Pro Tools if you don't sing with vibrato. If you hold the note out and just hold it as much as you can, you can be a little under, a little over. It's easier for a producer to get it back in tune. If you sing with vibrato, it's harder for them to do it, right? Because then it sounds a little bit wobbly and a little bit computery, right? Mm-hmm. But Brendan puts in some vibrato in his vocals. I really like it. I think this was their second album, and this is really what kind of kicked him into that late 90s, early 2000s kind of hit maker, you know, K-Rock band. I really like this album, so I narrowed it down and said, okay, what's the song off this album that I would pick? And this is the song I, I chose, was Pardon Me. I really like the way the heavy guitars drop out in the verse. Right. And the bass line is just really well done. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of dynamic in the song, right? It's heavy and it goes quiet and it's heavy again, And but the way they kind of go back and forth, at least in this era, was not as prevalent as it is today. Okay, let's listen to number eight, Pardon Me, off of the Make Yourself album by Incubus. Let's listen. I need you to hear, I need you to see, but I am half, I can take an exploding Okay, that was number eight, Pardon Me, by Incubus. It's got a good groove. I like it. All right. The next song is number seven. This was not on your list, but it was the media's number five song. Interesting. Was it on your list? And it was my number four song. Mm -hmm. I just remember listening to this song and just loving it. It just always puts a smile on my face. It's a happy groove song with friends hanging out and a good beat and a really cool lick on the piano. Hmm. It's by a band called Len. The name of the song is Steal My Sunshine off of their album, You Can't Stop the Bum Rush, and this is their one big hit. Interesting, they talk about butter tarts in this, and I was like, what is that? That must be a euphemism for something sexual, or, uh, but it's not. It's butter, no. butter tarts are a big thing in Canada, and that's where they're from. They're from Toronto. Yeah. They started out as a brother and sister combo, mm-hmm. which is Mark and Sharon Costanzo. That's what they call themselves. Costanza. Costanzo. <laughs> they ended up uh, adding a couple new band members to the band and coming up with this album and this one found mtv it found a generation where it fit really well and 
people just loved it. Barely missed my list. This is a fun pop song. Yeah. It really is. And if you've seen the video, here's the deal. Lem was given $150,000 for a budget for the video, right? Yeah. They spent so much of it on alcohol. <laughs> okay. Craft services did really well in this video is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And they broke the hotel service elevator trying to load up all the liquor <laughs> up to Lord. the room because they spent a lot of it. So they had to pay for the damage to the elevator and the alcohol. So that's why if you look at the video, it's just them riding around on a middle of town. That's a lot of crates of Jack and Coke to get it up in a service elevator to break it. I guess. Or maybe it's some, some heavy. Maybe they were crystalling it or something. Anyway, uh, Steal My Sunshine by Len. Great song. It really is a fun little pop song, right? Yeah. As I said, always makes me smile. Chorus is catchy. The combination of the male and female singers always make me think of like the human leagues. Don't you want me? Yep. Sort of story from two sides even though they totally can see that there's yep. really not that in this so much as a story but it was nice to have two points of view of the same day anyway steal my sunshine the number seven song in 1999 by len let's take a listen I really like that song. <laughs> it's a great little pop song. It really is. It's fun. You know, I, there was just some goofy stuff I was into at that point. And this one was the point of a band not taking themselves so serious. If this is, if this it's comes fun. on XM stereo or whatever in, in my car, I'm not turning it off. It's a fun little song. I'll listen to it for four and a half minutes. Well, there you go. Yeah. So that's our number seven, Steal My Sunshine by Len. If you haven't watched the video, please do so. It's really worthwhile. All right, so let's jump to number six overall. I'm intrigued. Which was not on anybody else's list, but it was my number one overall. There you go. What is this? Here we go. We're moving up the line here. and uh, So this must be the best song of 1999. This, for my mind, was. Let's hear it. This is off of an album called Number Four by Stone Temple Pilots. This is your number one? This is my mm. number one, and the song is down. Mm. Heavy rock in your face. The vocals are so haunting and powerful i always love heavy guitars stopping to emphasize lyrics it's just really so good i love the riff right before i've been waiting for my sunday girl that part he does that this is a really cool riff right before that and it's one of my favorite stp songs and the solo fits and it's great this song is one of the the heaviest songs by stp period and it was nominated for a grammy award it was nominated for a ton of things like grammy best make a best vocal male male vocal performance or it was a ton of things it was a uh, critically acclaimed song it didn't sit it didn't fit in mine and that could be my fault um so when we hear it we'll i'll let you know after the fact but maybe you know, but maybe it was like the grammys where it lost a gorilla radio for you <laughs> so let's we'll talk to the grammys if one of my songs earlier makes it um but of what actually lost to best male vocal performance rock. Um, but anyway, I, I was an early STP fan, uh, not so much of the later stuff. So I'd be intrigued to why this um, made it for you. Yeah. It's just, it's one of these songs I love. I, I just love that heavy guitar and that, 
the tone of yeah. this and okay. the drive of it. And if you check out if anybody who loves STP and like, Rob, you're right. And I love STP all over the place. Check out episode 19. Mm. We did a podcast on, on Stone Temple Pilots. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I think it was Jake and I. Was this one of the last albums they put out? Where does this fit in the STP? Because I know they, you know, they broke off and did the Velvet Revolver thing, or at least, you know. Well, he did, but. Uh, That's what I mean. He did. It was Core Purple, Tiny Music, then number four, which is this one, the fourth yeah, album. Right. And they've had eight albums total. They did really? Yeah. I, I, I'm shocked that you actually said that. I didn't think it was that many. Yeah. So there it is. Even though I really only consider it six, but they had an album in 2018 and 2020 as well. Love the song, love Stone Devil Pilots, one of my favorite bands, so maybe that's why I had it so high and it just drew me that way. So let's listen to num- number six song overall in 1999. Let's listen to Down off of number four, which is the fourth album by SCP. Nice to meet you. Okay, that's number six, Down by Stone Temple Pilots. So that is probably their heaviest song that I've heard. I think it definitely has a Stone Temple Pilots feel and vibe. Maybe I missed it. I don't know if it would have made my top 10, but I may go back and revisit that album. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. And and that song specifically, I just love. Yeah, to be honest, I would go back and, and revisit that album. And a good way to start doing that is to jump to uh, our podcast, episode 19, which is all the way back. Uh, when we we're first starting, we we're infants. We're at f- episode 58 now, so a while ago. But check that out. And we were probably still finding our way, but we loved STP and Jake loves STP. So it's a lot of fun. All right. So going from one grunge band to another well kind of oh this is the number five song overall and this you and me both had on our list mm. media did not because media is wrong they're horrible and speaking of soundgarden we're better this is by oh, chris cornell thank you off of the album euphoria morning oh you've made my day one of my favorite vocalists of all time and I love everything he did. I could hear Chris Cornell sing the phone book. He is my favorite male vocalist of all time. And this is my number 11, but this is your number four. Yep. Can't change me off of Euphoria Morning. So you can take the lead, my friend. Euphoria Morning. For those of you who haven't heard this album, it is a fantastic album. If you don't like Soundgarden, you need to listen to this album anyway. It's still this good, is, yeah. This is a singer-songwriter album. Um, my... Boy, how do I even phrase this? My like, wife's even- cousin um, turned me on this album about a month after it was released. Is, is your wife's cousin turned you on? To this album. <laughs> Thank you. He's a male. Um, this, this, is, is a- this is 2021. <laughs> Thank you. So, so I'm okay then is what you're saying? So it's it's acceptable? Thank you, Rob. I appreciate you. You... Uh, having my back we, we don't know what gender he really affiliated uh, yeah with. okay so it didn't matter anyway let's get back to euphoria morning which is a fantastic album if you love singer songwriter this is the album you need to listen to it is nothing like Soundgarden in the sense uh, so all he right consciously made a decision to not 
sound like Soundgarden. Well, here, album. so here's the thing. So Chris used to tell Kim, Kim Thale, who's the guitar player of Soundgarden, your job is to keep us heavy. Meaning Chris would write the songs and Kim's job was to keep the distorted guitars in. Chris would write songs that were melodic and thoughtful and Beatlesque. If you listen to this song, every other song is a Beatles song, right? The way it's structured, the way it is. Back to Can't Change Me. So this is a fantastic song. Um, I love it. I love the structure. I love the vocals. Rob, take it away. The guitar becomes percussive in the intro, and then that awesome sitar-inspired lick comes mm-hmm. in, and just wow. I love his voice. The vocal melody and the verse is just so engaging. The chorus is good. It's catchy, but not overly so, not in an overly poppy way. It just works. And it's sort of sad in retrospect. He's finding fault in his life choices. Yep. The bridge, the soaring notes, the unexpected melodies, it's just so tasty. And as you said, sort of Beatles-like, musically, but not vocally. They right. The Beatles could never touch Chris no. Cornell, uh, <laughs> as far as the range. Right. Uh, there's not many singers in this world who could sing uh, as Chris Cornell did when mm-hmm. he was alive. This is a quote from Chris Cornell. It's kind of a sad discovery that the person that I was involved with had the amazing powers to help people change things positively and realizing that none of it's rubbing off on me. Mm. Uh, so she's going to change the world, but she can't change him, mm. which is not a, a rip on her. Like, I'm a badass. You can't change me. But... She's changing the world, and I can't do anything. There's so many things that he'd like to change about himself. But he can't. Yeah. And obviously, it ended poorly for him. Um, But and one of the saddest days of my uh, musical uh, influences when when they left. I was really sad at that. In case you don't know, I'm a huge Chris Cornell fan. So the fact when he passed away on... May 18th of 2018. He's looking at his tattoo on his arm. Oh, yes. I am looking at the date and and the and the uh, the GPS location of where he died in Detroit. But anyway, um, this is huge for me. I loved I've loved this album from the day I've heard it. Um, I probably listen to it at least once or twice a week. This is a great song. If you have never heard this album, please go out and buy it. Uh, I'm getting off my soapbox. Take okay. it away, Rob. The only other thing I would suggest, if you're a big, mm-hmm. if you like Chris Cornell, and you're a Soundgarden fan, in addition, uh, the first episode we ever did of this podcast was done with not the best microphones, <laughs> not the best uh, sound, but it, it's us at our origin. It's our origin story. It's the, the first- fact that this podcast started with Soundgarden because both Jake and I love them so much. The foundation of this podcast is Soundgarden. And you guys did a fantastic job on that. You really did. It was awesome. Here's the number five song by Chris Cornell. Love you all. Can't Change Me off a Euphoria Morning. Let's take a listen. All right, that's number five, Can't Change Me, off of Euphoria Morning by Chris Cornell. I could listen to him sing the phone book 
All right, going from one all-star singer to another mm. as we move to number four. Well, maybe, not, maybe not of the same caliber, mm, actually. Not, it's hard to stand up to Chris Cornell. Yes. This is on everybody's list. This is mm. We're moving to number four, so we're going to start seeing we're start that. duplicating quite a bit. Right. This is the media had the highest on this, so the media is going to talk about this. I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> this is the media's number seven, and you and me tied on this one. Ooh. At number eight. And it's the number four song overall by Carlos Santana. The name of the song is Smooth, featuring Rob Thomas, off of the Supernatural album, mm-hmm. which I love. I remember buying the Supernatural album. There's a lot of other really good songs. Can album. we be honest, though? This is a Rob Thomas song. This is not a Santana song. I mean, Rob Thomas is a genius in writing, at least at this point in time, of writing pop songs and how they structured this was his song. Carlos Santana got it, soloed over it, and did his thing and put it on his album. But this is a Rob Thomas song. It's actually an Atal Shore song. <laughs> True. Which is, but... a, which is a guy who wrote songs for Jewel. And he actually wrote the music for this. And a lot of the... But Rob Thomas wrote the lyrics, though. Right. right obviously, yeah. 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 And Rob Thomas wrote this with Atal mm-hmm. for it. And he suggested George Michael sing it on the album. Interesting. And I did not know that. Yeah, because he was writing it to be a songwriter. He said it'd be cool to write a song for Carlos Santana that Absolutely. he would put on his album. Absolutely. That'd be great. Because Carlos was doing this album, Supernatural, with all of the artists that joined him on that. He said, okay, this is George Michael should sing this and send this in. And Wouldn't have the same effect. But then they're like, no, 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 you need to sing this. Yeah. When you write the lyrics, you know... You know the feel and the phrasing and how that should be right in a song. And this is how Rob Thomas knew this was a huge song. Mm -hmm. He he knew it was really big when he walked into an elevator and Jason Newstead of Metallica was coming out of the elevator. And he was like, Rob, and I've never met Jason Newstead. (laughs) Hey, Rob, man, I love that Carlos song. That was killer. (laughs) That's awesome. And yeah, he's like, I knew that was huge. <laughs> this was a huge song. This spent 12 weeks at number one. Huge. One song of the year and record of the year at the Grammys. Yeah. Both of them have bought plenty of houses and put in plenty of pools because of this song. It, it kind of brought Carlos Santana back. Not necessarily just the song, because there's a really a, a bunch of good songs now, on this album. it was album. the song, Rob. I'll, I'm going to jump in. And, and this was the song that all the other songs fell below it. Now, they may be better, but from a radio and a hit standpoint, this is the song that put him back on top. And that's why it was my number eight and your number eight. The same thing. Yep. And so uh, you can't ignore the song. This was this song was everywhere. And a lot of guitar. I it mean, was oh everywhere. God, and okay. every phrase, when there's a break, there's a guitar solo, a guitar lick in it, right? As I was trying to tell Stephen for years, that's the way everything should happen. <laughs> I agree. I'm a guitar guy. So <laughs> I don't play guitar, but... Every time there's a break, there should be some sort of lick. The more licks, the better. So let's take a listen to the number four song of 1999, Smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. I really like that song. <laughs> Whoever had the idea for the album, which I'm going to look at real quick, was a genius. And uh, well, Santana had that sort of vibe. And even though that 
Ital Shur actually wrote a lot of the guitar yes, licks right. in this. Yep. Uh, for it, and he's like, I was so humbled that a lot of the guitar licks in this were verbatim what I wrote. This is Ital talking. Interesting. From, I did not know that from Santana. But Santana just has that tone that he could play, you know, a scale. And it would sound like Santana was playing that scale. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. That was number four, Smooth, by Carlos Santana. Yeah. And number three, this is not on my list. Is it on my list? It's on your list. Wow. And it's on the media's list. Wow. High up. High up. Interesting. And this, for me, I I just, I'm sick of the song. And (laughs) for for that reason. Again, I don't put aside because it's played so much, right? I I totally am with you. I understand where it is. I like the song, but... I, it's on my list, actually, when we did the podcast on this band. Yep. <laughs> the name of the band is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The album is Californication. Yep. And the song is Scar Tissue. Yes, it is. And it's your number one song overall, yes, it so is. take it off, my friend. It's the number four on the media, by the way. For this year, for this song, I like this song the best. Over Californication and all the other ones on this. I just thought it was different. I liked the way they structured it. I thought it was melodic as far as a chili pepper songs go the way it was set up the way it started the way it ended yeah that's a great clean guitar riff yes throughout the song right the verse is catchy on its own especially the end part of the verse you know where it turns into mm-hmm. the chorus right mm-hmm. i love the guitar lead tone it's so then the line it's just great it's tasty for shante did a great job on the song yes I he thought. did the background vocals actually work really well. The guitar solos are amazing, right? Yep. yep Melodic yep. and haunting is what I put. If you guys uh, want to listen to a lot more on the Red Hot Chili Peppers, episode 22, Jake and I went deep into the Chili Pepper Dumb. So check that out when you can. The sarcastic Mr. Know-It-All line in this song is about Dave Navarro, by the way. Yeah, right. Of course. Where the birds I'll share this lonely view was inspired by the birds that Anthony Kiedis saw when he was singing outside of Flea's house. Actually, so let's listen to the number three song overall. It made number three, so it's pretty high up there. There you go. So let's listen to Scar Tissue off of the Californication album, our number three song overall. Scar Tissue that I wish you saw. Side Captain, Mr. Know It All. I close your eyes and I'll kiss you, cuz with the birds I'll share. With the birds I'll share this. No, that's a that's a great song. It really is. That's a good song. I thought so. All right, that was the number three song, a Scar Tissue. I love like the haunting kind of vibe on that. It's just the, so, the it guitar. Was, I thought it was so different good. for them, right? That's yeah. what made it for me. I thought it was different. All right, speaking of different, mm. <laughs> the number two song overall was the media's number six, and it was on your list too. Was it? But it was my number two, Ooh. and. This is an artist who brought me into a new genre of music who I became a fan of up until he got way too political for me. His name is Eminem, Mm. and the name of the song is My Name Is. Um, What number was this for you? This was my number two, and I actually matched. This is two overall. Off of the Slim Shady EP, number 10. Okay, there you go. And it was the media's number six. This song really just broke Eminem. His delivery Absolutely. was so unique yep. when this came out. It worked so well over the beat. Yep. Doing the different voices and humorous lyrics yep. were, were not politically correct at all. Mm, the, yeah, chorus, no. the chorus is catchy. I am not a rap guy. 
I, I know it's shocking for everybody who's listening to anything I've mm-hmm. done, but this brought in a new type of rap, right? The, his attack was quite different yes, from everything. That's kind of what I'm. That's what I mean. He actually put this out initially, right, as an internet free track. Interesting. Before I didn't it know actually that. hit the album, and some of the lyrics had to be changed. the The track used for this song mm-hmm. was written by an artist that was a gay activist, and he made <laughs> Eminem change the line. My English teacher wanted to have sex with me in junior high. The only problem was my English teacher was a guy. To mm-hmm. my English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Thanks a lot. Next semester I'll be thirty-five. So <laughs> he ended up changing that because that's what was required of him to use the song. Really? Yeah. Eminem is actually kind of sick of the song. He only plays a part of it in concert anymore. But, but didn't the song make him though? Oh, it did. Yeah. But it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek song. It, and, well, it was, but isn't that Eminem, though? To some degree, yeah. He has that sort of vibe to him. Yeah, Absolutely. And Dr. Dre said that he finished his track with him in the studio in an hour, an hour and a half. I put the track on. We had a little bit of idle chit-chat. I put the beat on, and five seconds in, I swear to God, he goes, Hi, my name is what? My name is... And he starts going off live in the studio, and it was just clicking, and he so started I'm, recording it, and it was done in two hours. I'm not a rap guy, but it's hard to discount Eminem's talent from what he does, right? Sure. He knows how to put a rhyme down to the beats that he wants. And it's in such a unique way <laughs> at that time. That sounds like a white 50-year-old saying that. I think that Eminem... <laughs> mm, let me put my glasses up. <laughs> Tell us more, Grandpa Stewart. But from what I know, he was innovative in the way he put rhymes down. He is good at beat. the trap sort of thing. <laughs> That's your German thing. I'm more of an Irish thing. The way he did it was innovative. Sure. And different than the way anybody else did it, right? Absolutely. He impressed Dr. Dre. Yes. Enough that he produced some of the songs. And that he's like, he's so different from everything else out there. Yeah. All right. So let's listen to the number two song of 1999. And this goes out to Alan Campbell. Who loves rap? <laughs> this is Eminem. When I think of my rap, name is, I think of Alan. That's Campbell. right. All right, let's listen to "My Name Is" the number two song of 1999. Make a record about doing drugs and name it after. You know you blew up when the women rush your stands. You try to touch your hands like some screaming usher fans. This guy White Castle asked for my autograph, so I signed it. Dear Dave, thanks for the support, asshole. My name is. My name is. My name is. Yeah, that's number two. My name is off of the Slim Shady LP by Eminem. Amazing. The second best song of 1999. Now, the first song of 1999, of course, we did a podcast on. It's got to be on my list, Rob, right? Because I'm always right. This is high on your list. This is high on my list. Of course it is. And it's in the middle for the media. I don't know what the media was thinking. They're not thinking. This is the media's number eight. This is my number three. Uh Uh-huh. And this is your number, well... It's the Foo Fighters. It's your number two song overall. See, I'm off better of, than everyone. There is nothing left to lose <laughs> off of that album. Uh, the name of the song is Learn to Fly. Uh, not necessarily my favorite song on that album, but it was the one I had to go with. It's the hit but, on that album, yeah, though, right? It's, it's the hit. Yeah, absolutely. And you have when you have Jack Black in the video, you knew it's a good one. <laughs> it fits. When Tenacious D is in a, a video, it's an automatic hit, right? At least from 1999. That's true. Unless it exactly. was their own, and then maybe not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unless it's from Pick of Destiny, right? 
All right, you can lead us off. This is a great song. I mean, when you think of it, it's... So, Foo Fighters, when they started the first album, I think, is this the second album, Rob? Please correct me, because I don't have time to look it up. By the way, this is the third album by Foo Fighters. This is the third album. Yeah. But Dave was able to write punk hits, and now he's morphed into rock hits and almost pop hits i don't know i think he had pop hits before big me is not a 100 percent agreed 100 percent agreed big me was the pop hit but he started writing more of those right yeah, yeah and this song fits in perfectly it was a great song with even a better video which probably made it even more popular it's so creative it's dave's personality again i don't know him personally but from him i know of dave i've i've met dave by the have way have you i have I, friends that have met dave and i could if i wanted to go down to the you know the do rock and ride or whatever it is this each was week. this is my one celebrity meeting okay let me just take go ahead seconds, okay? please i'm listening and, and by the way my favorite song on this album is stacked actors by the way it's which is a which is probably a better song and a great song right but anyway let me step back my wife flies a lot for work. Mm-hmm. You have a great wife, by the right. way. And uh, she gets a lot of airline miles. Yes. And a lot of the time when mm. we go flying, she lets me take the upgrade. <laughs> She's a great, because I let my wife take my upgrade, which right. is fantastic. Right. Yes. And I was sitting there and who should walk on the plane? No. He sat right in front of me. Really? Right. And I was quiet the whole time. I'm like, crap, are there any other Foo Fighters on this plane? He was flying for the Grammy Awards, uh, first class home. And I don't normally sit in first class. This was new for me. Yep. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) Right there. Right there. Number one, I'm looking over his shoulder. He was, he was on iTunes. I'm like, what is he listening to? <laughs> what was he listening to, Rob? Please. Oh, no, but it was just it was just general stuff. It was yeah. just like whatever it was on his thing. He was there with his wife as well. Right. And the last thing I wanted to do was start a conversation with Dave. No, you don't want to do that. Because uh, you're from LA. You're an LA guy. You don't want to. So I was like, I could say <laughs> right. something to him now. I have to say something to him sometime. <laughs> He's spending time with his wife. So I waited. And at the end of the flight, I said, listen. Your music from Nirvana to Foo Fighters really changed my life and made such an impact. I just wanted to say thank you. And he was really nice. And I wish I would have took a, been like Jake, who who takes a a shot with everybody he ever meets. Right. But I just talked to him for like maybe two minutes. Oh, nice. Good. uh, But it was just like, hey, you know, I just didn't want to bother you with your wife and everything. And I, I totally get it. I just want to say thank you. And he's like, oh, don't worry, man. And then you're a guitar player. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's fantastic. All, all that stuff. So it was kind of. I love that. He was just nice. And I was like, oh, and he'll never remember it. But that's fine. But it made an impression to me. And uh, we're talking about our number one song of 1999, which is a great song, Learn to Fly. And that's where I met him on a plane. Which is fantastic. <laughs> I met two weeks ago. I fly a lot for my company. Sure. But I have treated myself to the United Club on a Kate, you know. United Club yearly. is a sex club that's in the. Uh, <laughs> it is in the LAX. By yes, way. it's a sex club that we go to. It's we don't <laughs> want to talk about. It. We call, call it the United. Club. We call it the United Club. It's sort yes. of like Fight Club. You don't talk about. We fight don't talk club. about it. <laughs> but uh, as I'm sitting there two weeks ago, Taylor Hawkins walks on. No People, way! Like, how would you recognize Taylor Hawkins? Because how could you not recognize Taylor? Because he has super blonde 
hair that looks like it hasn't washed in three weeks. Super skinny arms and legs. He is very skinny, yeah. And I kind of nodded to him like, hey, I know who you are. You have no idea who I am, but I know who you are. He's walking in with his, his family, his wife and his like two kids. Sure. That's my thing with Taylor Hawkins. Cool. Well, I think the moral of the story is if you're in an airport, look around because you'll probably see a Foo Fighter. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, Learn to Fly. It's a great tune. It's a great tune. By a great and band. Fun. And it's episode 46, if you want to check that out, by the way. I don't mean to be- Who are the great guys that are in that episode? Uh, Foo Fighters is Jake and... Um, who was the? I don't remember who the other person was. He, wasn't he was fantastic. Whoever was, I can't remember who it was. It oh. may have been Jeff Stewart. Oh, it was Jeff Stewart. That's funny how really? that works, really? Rob. I yes, don't know. Exactly. I don't, I don't yes. remember. Was it Jeff? I don't think so. No, it was Rob and Jake and some other guy who was just and, dragging them down. In, in all fairness, that episode it has been under listened to in our catalog so far because it was the first one. But check that out, Foo Fighters, episode 46. You have Jake, you have Jeff, you have me. This chemistry is so good, and it's so much fun. It's our first three-person episode. Check that out. If you haven't listened to it, please listen to it. So for those of you who... I'm going to... Here's a sidebar. I love doing this because I... Now, whether you agree with my takes on music or what I think, but I love talking with these guys about music, and I may be completely off-base... But I have a ball doing this. I hope you guys like listening to my takes. But regardless, subscribe to this and just listen. Rob and Jake do a great job. And whoever else is doing it, they, all those guys do a great job. And I love doing it. And then the more Rob invites me, the more I do it. So, Amen. <laughs> all right. Let's listen to the number one song of all time in 1999. Can you believe it? It's a Foo Fighter song. Let's listen to Learn to Fly off of There's Nothing Left to Lose. So that was our number one overall, Learn to Fly uh, by the Foo Fighters. It's a great song, it's, isn't it's, it, Rob? It's been great. Let's just remind everybody what our 12 was before we get into the Miss the Cut section. And we're going to do something slightly different, but we'll get there. Number 12 was Red Dragon Tattoo by Fountains of Wayne. Number 11 was Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine. Number 10 was Nookie by Limp Bizkit. Number 9, What's My Age Again by Blink-182. Number eight, Pardon Me by Incubus. Number seven, Steal My Sunshine by Len. Number six, Down by Stone Temple Pilots. Number five, Can't Change Me by Chris Cornell. Number four, Smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. Number three, Scar Tissue by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Number two, My Name Is by Eminem. And the number one song of 1999 is Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters. Hmm. So let's go to the Miss the Cut section, and we're going to do this slightly differently. And let's start with Jeff. Jeff, you had four songs that just missed the cut. Number seven, Breathe by Faith Hill. Number nine, Heavy by Collective Soul. Way. 
your number 11, Can't Get Enough of You Baby by Smash Mouth. And your number 12, I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Now, let's just talk about those picks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Breathe, I kind of, I get. I mean, it's, right. It's a country song. It's very popular. Yep. I actually like Heavy by Collective Soul. Yep. It didn't quite make it. Can't get enough of you, baby. I kind of thought was more of a... It's a pop song. But it was one that was done by, like, the Four Seasons, the Toys, the Question Mark and the Styrians, the Cloverfield. It's been by everybody who's had a band since 1968. Right? And, and and I don't want to step on your favorite song, which is I Want It That Way by the Beast Street. No, it's not my favorite song, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> if if not that song, I know that was an awesome song. What song would you like to talk about? My song is heavy, Five Collective Soul. I think it's a great song. I think it has a fantastic riff for a group that is not known for their riffs. But I think it's a fantastic song for them. And it was my number nine song on my list. It was interesting that they use different wah effects on that. Yes. They, they have the standard wah pedals, then they have the auto wah pedals, and then they actually use some plugins through Pro Tools. Yes. So they, they kind of did the whole thing just to kind of fill that in, which I think is a great effect. It stood out for me as a great heavy song from a non-heavy group. Does that make any sense to it you? It totally does. Okay. So let's listen to the four songs that missed for me. Great. And then we'll go for the media, and we can all rip on the media because it's fine. easy. Let's do it. And I had four songs that just missed a cut. My number seven, Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera. My number nine, Never Let You Go by Third Eye Blind. My number 10, which was also the media's number 10, My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. And my number 12, Something Like That by Tim McGraw. Genie in the Bottle, at all fairness, I, I weirdly like that song. But I'm going to talk about a country song because we really haven't talked about one yet. And I'm going to talk about my number 12 song, actually, Something Like That by Tim McGraw off of A Place in the Sun album. The piano hook in the intro kind of sets the tone. I love the way the country music tells a story. The pre builds into this like great chorus, chorus singable, and still is telling the story. I love the piano run after he says Mardi Gras. Uh, love the down verse after the bridge, stripped down band, great drum fills. She says, you don't remember me. I said, only every other memory. It's a great tune. It was actually this song spent five weeks at the top of the country billboard chart, which is nice. But according to Nielsen, this was the top played radio single in any musical genre in the 2000s. Was it really? Racking up 
487,343 spins from January 1st, 2000 through December 17th, 2009. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> All right, we still have one more area to do. Let's talk about the media. What songs did the media pick what did that they we miss out was, on? Yeah, what did they... The media had five songs that missed the cut. Their number one song, All the Small Things by Blink-182... The number two song, No Scrubs by TLC. Their number three song, Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Their number nine song, Fast As You Can by Fiona Apple. And their number 11 song, All Star by Smash Mouth. All Star obviously was that one song that yeah. we kind of... I can't. Uh, I had can't get enough of you, baby, on my list. Right. I thought that was a better song than All Star. I think it was too, but I think All Star was the bigger song. It definitely was. Absolutely. Yeah. Baby, one more time. It's just great. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but it's really iconic in in some degree. I mean, it's no scrubs and all all the small things are really songs that you think of '99 with. And we didn't have it on our list. Hundred percent, it wasn't but on I'm list, but hundred percent. But I'm glad the media was there to. Well, put they balance us out, right? Because yeah. you and I are biased in in what we what we enjoy, and obviously the media is biased. And like Rob, on the is there media bias? I disagree. I've never heard of such a thing. Media bias. <laughs> All right, so this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Rob. Jeff, I love this. Anytime you need me, you just let me know. Sounds good. But yeah, thank you for for doing thank this. Thank you you're very always, much. I appreciate you uh, inviting me. Yeah, you're such a joy to have here, man. You killed it. You knocked it out of the park. Everybody listening, quite frankly, at this point, love you all. And this is 99. We're starting in the 90s. So here's what I'm looking for all of the people who are listening to this podcast. If you made it this point, I really value your opinion on music. Now, that said... We're looking at trying to figure out what we're going to be doing for next season. I'd love for your input. We're going to put on our Facebook page a week from the release of this podcast. We're going to put the first request for next year. Any band that you want us to cover, anything that you like. This whole season before the 90s was entirely from fan requests. Mm -hmm. So I am looking for fan requests for the next season. So what's going to happen is we're going to put a post on Facebook asking for that feedback. Post on it. I don't care. Don't be embarrassed. If you say I want to listen to Fiona Apple or I want a podcast on uh, Spando Ballet or Kenny what, G, what, what, Metallica, what, anything you anything, guys want to Metallica hear. we've already done. But, but, right. But yeah. anything, or I was thinking of a, of a span, but anything you guys want to hear, I think... We could find somebody in our sphere of influence that can talk about that. Sure. 
And and what we're going to do is we'll take all of the lists, what we did last year, mm-hmm. is everybody who put their suggestions in, probably 20 to 30 suggestions last year, and we put them into categories and we have people vote on them. Like mm-hmm. somebody suggested U2 last year and somebody suggested Queen and they're big stadium rock bands. So mm-hmm. we put them together and surprisingly Queen won that battle, which I was not expecting. That sort of thing. So we, we, we throw things together by their category. Thank you all for being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of community. And I think if you really start getting involved in the next five weeks or six weeks, we're going to be doing a lot of voting. We're going to be doing a lot of picking next season. And I want your opinion. I want the band that you love to be one of the bands we cover. So do what you can. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff, for hanging out. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I love doing this. Um, whether you like my picks or not, I enjoy doing it. I love talking about music. So anytime you want me back, let me know. Okay. We will see you guys in two weeks with 1998 good with Lord. Jacob Newkirk and myself. Oh, that would be good, at, guys. Right at you. And uh, God bless. I'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.